0: You're listening to Connect Communities podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. So we're continuing this series the middle, and today it's part three. If you haven't been with us, we have been talking about the middle uh, as it pertains to that moment in life, in situations, in different occasions between the beginning and the end. Because we can focus on the beginning and the end, but it's in the middle that we have uh, that we face things that are unplanned, things that come at us. And on the first week, we talked about the importance of prayer. And how in the middle, when, when your, your work begins to progress, when you begin to see results for the work of your hands, it will be very likely that you will face opposition. And when you are facing opposition, when you are facing resistance, that is the moment where you got to be close to God. That's the moment, moment when you have to draw near to God. And one of the best ways to draw near to God is through prayer. You gotta have a foundation of prayer in your life if you're going to be close to God. Because prayer, when you do it regularly, you will get insight. And this is one of the things that you got to know about prayer. When you pray and you're connected to God, you, you get insight. All of a sudden, there's something that comes to your mind, to your spirit, that wasn't there before. You see a situation in a different way. You look at it from a different perspective. God expands your mind, and He, he opens your eyes to see things in a different way when you are in prayer. And so you will gain clarity. You will gain confidence, especially in those times when you're facing opposition. So I encourage you guys to pray because prayer is important. And prayer can happen all throughout the day. A thought comes to your mind about a challenge or a situation or a relationship, train yourself to pray immediately, to immediately submit it to God. That's why the Bible says that we got to pray without ceasing, immediately submit it to God. You know, you don't have to be a super religious person to be praying about your situation. You know, you don't have to know a ton of scriptures so that you can quote and you can bind and tear the devil down. If you can, good for you. But most of us, you know, all we need to know is, is, is to have the awareness that we are not alone. To have the awareness that God is for us. And in those moments where you have challenging thoughts, challenging emotions, challenging situations, immediately you submit it to God and you say, God, guide me through this. God, give me the the wisdom that I need through this. Give me, God, what I need to do uh, and the decision that I need to make in this situation. Last week we talked about what we do or what to do when we face ups and downs. Because in the middle you will have situations where we, we, one day you might, we might have a great day and the very next day could be a very bad day. You know, one day you're on a cloud nine, the next day it's a storm cloud. And, and, and it, there's turbulence and you're not sure uh, how uh, to move on. So I encouraged you with three things last week. First thing was to Stand. And to keep standing, even if you have to stand alone. The second thing was to remain consistent, even when your surroundings don't. And the third thing I shared with you was to cling to the mission. The mission that God gave for your life, to cling and to remain. And today I want to continue on this thought of standing, of remaining, of clinging, of of just committing your life to the mission and purpose of God for your life. Because it is, it is an interesting uh, uh, pattern that we as humans face in our lives. In fact, there's a lot of studies that have been done on this science of timing. And human beings are incredibly predictable when it comes to our rhythms, And some of these uh, studies that have been done uh, were published by Daniel Pink. He's a a business writer, and he released a few successful, really good books. Uh, And recently, he released a book called When. And in this book, he he lists a bunch of, of research that has been done on this science of timing. And some of the findings that he mentions are really interesting and caught my attention. That's why I wanted to mention it today. Because some of the findings, uh, uh, just by observing people, uh, uh, you can tell that people go through, all of us, we go through a similar rhythm in life. And this rhythm happens every single day. You know, on a single day, we go through a cycle, an emotional cycle, and a mental cycle. Most of us, at the top of the day, we are very alert. We are, we are ready for analytical uh, uh, tasks. We are ready to be responsive and alert. But then, early afternoon, there's a dip in our emotions. We are not as alert. We are not as creative. We are not as attentive. But then, toward the evening, late afternoon and evening, there's a recovery, it, 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 we recover. We become more creative. Our mood gets better. And in the study, actually, some of us have uh, the opposite. We start with the creative and the good mood, then, but there's that dip, and then we go for the mind of more analytical tasks. But what's interesting, what I thought it was interesting, is that this same rhythm happens in the course of your life. They found that uh, most people go through this uh, idea that was released in, I think, 1965 by a psychoanalyst by the name of Elliot Jacques. He was a Canadian uh, psychoanalyst, and he published a paper, uh, or he published a piece, uh, 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 an essay on a paper that wasn't very popular, but in that paper, he published the, the term midlife crises. And he was talking about artists that uh, in the middle of their lives, right around 36 and 37 years old, uh, there was a change. And, and anyways, so he coined that term midlife crisis, and apparently that term exploded. It just became very, very popular uh, since then. But what he talks about in the book, which I think it's interesting, is that the the actual term midlife crisis, when studied by by uh, scientists and experts, is not completely accurate. It, it, we don't really go through a midlife crisis. Shocking, right? Like, no, I'm pretty sure we do because my friend just bought a motorcycle, and he's. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we do because uh, if you get a tattoo when you're 45, you know. Ooh, am I stepping on some toes here this morning? I hope not. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We were just uh, joking about that in the lobby earlier today. See, what, what happens is in your late 20s and early 30s, there's a dip in your sense of happiness. In, in, in that season of life, up until the end of your 50s, there's a bigger tendency for you to feel deflated for you to feel like you're not making enough progress, for you to feel discouraged, fatigued, diminished. And that caught my attention because when I was reading about these findings, and that's why I'm bringing it up, I just felt the need to encourage every single one of us here because it is very probable that all of us here today are going through some kind of middle in our lives. You're in the middle of something. And if this is the rhythm that we face, if this is the rhythm of our lives where every single day there is a slump. Where even in our lives, in the course of our our lives, there is a slump, an emotional slump, an emotional downturn. We need to recognize it and allow our faith not to be submitted to it, but to wake us up and to guide us through these moments. See, I'm here to encourage you today. Because if you are in a situation like that, you got to know that he who began the good work in your life will complete it. Whether it's a relationship, whether it's a dream, whether it's a health situation, if you are in the middle right now and you're facing that slump, you know, when your emotions get deflated and it tends to affect your faith, you got to know and believe in your heart that he who began will complete. And sometimes we can get discouraged and we can lose sight of the completion that God is going to take you through, that you are going to get to the end. And this morning, I just want to encourage you and remind you that this is not the end. It's just the middle. What you are going through, you are not at the end. It's just the middle. And you can keep going. You can keep going because God will take you where you need to go. You will finish well. You were not a mistake. You don't have the wrong. Uh, looks, You don't have the wrong build. God gave you the right gifts. He gave you the right body. He gave you the right mind. He gave you the right talents to accomplish your purpose. And if you stay strong and you keep the faith, you will go through these days and seasons and situations where you don't feel the best. Because sometimes it happens. You look around in your circumstances and they are not very exciting. You look around and you see disappointment. You look around and you see turmoil. You look around and you see obstacles. But God is with you. And you can get through them you can get through them and that's what happened to Jesus' disciples if you remember last week for those of you who are not here you know I shared a message talking about two days that Jesus had that were very opposite emotionally one day was awesome he was at the top the second day everybody left him and they just walked away on him but the whole intention that Jesus had when he, when he multiplied the 5,000, the, the bread for 5,000 people, and he fed that multitude, he went to that place actually to rest. That was never his intention. He was never trying to gather a hungry crowd and feed them. What he wanted to do, according to Mark, was to take his, his, his guys to a desolate place so that they could rest. They had been going for a long time. They had been working hard for a while. And Jesus recognized their fatigue. He recognized that they were on that slump. He recognized that he, they, were, they, were, they were deflated. And they needed rest. So he said, listen, let's go to the other side of the, of the sea. And let's find a place where we can just rest. And when they got there, there was a lot of people. And then they, as as, as You might know they multiplied the bread. They fed everybody. It was amazing. But Jesus kept his plan. So he looked at his disciples and he said, Listen, we're done with this. I'm going to wrap this up by myself. You guys go ahead, get on the boat, and go across the sea again. Because there's no way we can get away from the people here and they not follow us. So let's get on our boats and let's go across so that we can get some rest. And finally... at peace. So Jesus sends them in the boat and says, go across and I'll meet you there. And this is where we pick up on the story. They were working hard. All they wanted was a little rest. And in Matthew 14, uh, verse 22 through 24, we find the beginning of this story. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the winds, for the wind was against them. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a similar situation, and I mean this figuratively, Where you felt like you were led by God somewhere. Where you had a conviction in your heart and you felt in your heart, I'm supposed to go this way. I feel like God is leading me this way. I feel like God wants me to go in this direction. And then you go, you get there, and it's a very hard situation. It's a very hard situation. Through the process, it gets very hard. What would your reaction be if you were in that boat? How would you feel if you were one of the disciples who got in the boat because Jesus said so and then the winds came? Jesus told me to go to the other side and get in this boat and we're not making any progress here. We're just not getting there. They were met by horrible conditions. This is a story that is found in Matthew, in Mark and in John. And every one of them gives a little little bit of a different information on the account. And in John, we find that they were about three to four miles into into the the, the sea. They had moved just three to four miles. And in Mark, we learn that it was between 3 and 6 a.m. So if they got on the boat, conservatively, conservatively, if they got on the boat, Earlier that night, they were moving at a staggering speed of one mile per hour. (laughs) They were moving so fast. And they were hustling, trying to get to the other side. Why? Because Jesus said so. Jesus put them in that situation. They could have looked at it that way. Have you ever found yourself with a direction, with a purpose, with a God dream, with something in your heart that you knew you were supposed to accomplish, and you get on that boat, you get on that course, you get on that journey, and it's just hard. Maybe there's no friends. Maybe you're trying to start that business, and it's just not going. Maybe you're trying to uh, build a relationship or or something, and it's just not happening. You can't seem to go ahead, to get ahead. You you can't seem to, to make any progress. You're putting all your effort into it. You're putting all your knowledge and know-how into it. You're putting all your emotions into it, and it's just not working. All you can muster, all the strength that you can, strength that you can muster up in this project can get you to go one mile per hour. And you, it doesn't make sense. You think, why with all the effort, with all the investment, with all that I have put in, I should have been a lot further right now, by now. I should have been much, much further ahead by now. You know, those, those times when you are spent, when you are tired, when you're hitting that low emotional state, it can get really tiring and taxing. But you got to know that God is developing you. He's building you. And those tough moments are moments of testing, of proving, are moments that are pushing you, and you're pushing back, and they're pushing you, and you're pushing back. But here is the good news. If you are there right now, you're not going to stay there because the story doesn't end there for them, and it doesn't end there for you either. Jesus shows up. Let's continue on the scripture. Verse 25 through 27. And in the fourth watch... Of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus was watching all along. He never lost sight of them. And there he shows up. See, when you're going through a situation that is tiring and taxing, and you're, you're in the middle, and, you, and you're just wondering what's going to happen next, the right question to ask is not, will God ever show up in this situation? The question that you should be asking is not, will God ever show up? Is he even seeing me here? The question is, when he shows up, will I recognize it? Will I know that it's God or am I going to look at it and go like, ooh, it's a ghost. It's, it's going to get worse. <laughs> it's going to get worse. See, I remember when Alini and I were going through a tough season. We had just moved to Houston and for me specifically, it was tough because I was new to America. I didn't speak much English and we got to Houston because we believed God sent us there and we had this, this sense that God told us, you know, you go before me across the sea. And we got to Houston. We had Houston in our hearts. It was something that came through, uh, uh, um, you know, through through prayer. And things were not so good in Houston itself in the beginning because we landed in Houston about 18 months after the Enron collapse. And so the job market was terrible. The spirits were horrible. Downtown was not looking good. There was all sorts of issues happening in Houston. And uh, you know, last, less than a year into our move, when we thought that we were supposed to have made headway already, when we thought we were supposed to be further ahead and a little bit more stable, things were actually worse than they were when we get, got there. You know, it was one thing after another. We thought we should have had enough time to get things going, and I found myself unemployed, broke, looking for work with no, no hope. Just empty pantry and empty gas tank. You know, All we had on the pantry that day was a bag of popcorn camp kernels to be popped. And it was a Wednesday night, and I didn't know what to do. I had $5 in my wallet, and I was believing for a big break. I had never faced anything like that in my entire life. I was about 23 years old, 22 years old, and I had never faced that kind of need of just having no, uh, no, no way to produce or, or to... Uh, move ahead I was believing for a big break we were praying and believing firmly that God had led us there and I was trying to do my part this was before you could apply for jobs online you know This was back in green sheet days. I don't know if you guys had green sheet up here, but, you know, you go to the green sheet. You look for job ads. You go to the the newspaper, and you find on the classified section, job ads. And you actually have to go and show up your face at the location and fill in an application and say, Hey, I saw your ad on the paper. Here I am. And Houston is a very spread out city, and you got to drive a lot to a lot of places to put in applications and say, Hey, can I work for you? So on a Wednesday night, like I mentioned, we were in that situation, and I had a choice. Am I going to put gas in the car to go to church, or do I just try to hustle another day and spend this money trying to knock on doors and not have any answer? And I, in my spirit, I just felt, i got to go to church. i got to go serve. And so Alini uh, uh, was, I think she was working late that day, or she had something else, and, and, and I went by myself. I went to church by myself that Wednesday night, and there was a prayer, and God put in the, in the, the, the Dodie's heart, uh, uh, one of the pastors, just the, the desire to pray for somebody who needed work and needed jo- a job. And I knew that that was for me. So on the way back home, I'm driving back home, and I got lost. I got lost on, 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 on the way home. There was some construction on the highway. I exited early, and I I'm, I'm, find myself driving on the street, and the highway is over there to my right. And I'm like, I needed to be there, not here. And so (laughs) there's this big shopping center on on the side with with, uh, a big parking lot. And I'm like, if I go across this parking lot, I can probably get to the highway. So I get on the parking lot and I'm driving across parking lots, like weaving through parking spaces and things. And all of a sudden, I see to my left a big sign saying, Help Wanted, Drivers Needed. And I remember stopping my car across some two or three parking spaces. And for a moment, I just paused. And I remember praying and saying, God, is this you? Did you make me get lost so I could see this sign? Is this you or is this a ghost? Is this you? And I got in. That night, I got a full job, a full-time job delivering Chinese food. Listen, it wasn't my dream job, but it was a job that got me, got us to our dreams. You know, the very next day I had $80 in tips and the pantry was full before we went to bed. Yes, because God showed up. You know, if you have been fighting the waves and, and you need to know that before the dawn breaks, God will shine His light on, light on your situation. He will come in and shine His light. Before the night is over, He will show up. And my cry for you today and my encouragement for you today is that you may recognize Him. That when Jesus walks into your situation, that you may recognize Him. That you may have the eyesight in, the, in, the, in your spirit to recognize Him walking on water. Now something else happened that night with the disciples. Something else happened in, in that night that teaches us how to recognize Jesus. Because Peter did a couple things according to Matthew in the Matthew account, that can give us lessons. So I'm going to go through these here with you. And and we find that the text, Matthew 14, 28, 23, and uh, after, I'll give you a couple principles, all right? And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water, he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat And walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. There is something about Peter's attitude that teaches us a lot. You know, I'll venture to say that many of us here today have been in his position before. You might not realize that you've been in that position, but we have been in that position. You have been, you have been in Peter's shoes. And maybe you're here not a church person. You're not really familiar with God and the Bible and things, and, and maybe somebody invited you here. Or, or you haven't been in church in a while, and you know, you're, you're looking at me and you're saying, No, no, I don't think so, J.D. Every single relationship that I've had with water, either involved... A floating device or me learning how to swim. I never really considered stepping on the water and trying to walk on it. So no, I'm not in Peter's situation. I, I haven't been there. I think you have because what about that business idea? Didn't it seem impossible? Didn't it seem like walking on water to you? What about that marriage proposal? Didn't it scare you in the beginning? Didn't it feel like you were going to lose your footing, that you didn't know what was going to happen? How about that move or that career change or that breakup, that medical procedure? How about those times where you didn't know what was going to happen? You know, we all, one time or another, have stood at the edge of our ship at the edge of our boats. And because we weren't making headway, because we weren't getting uh, the, or making enough progress, we all have looked out on the water and said, We should be there, not here. That's where we should be. That's the location that we should be, not here. And Peter teaches us what to do in those situations. The first thing is very simple, a very simple principle. We have to trust God in those situations. Where you're not making headway, but you want to. You know you're supposed to be further ahead, and God is calling you. You have to trust God. Notice what what Peter said. Lord, if it's you. Lord, if it's you. If you are here. You know, when you're in the middle, and you're fatigued, and you're not thinking straight, and you have low energy, and you're not sure if, if your emotions are up to it, and your options and possibilities are difficult to discern. It's important when considering any step, especially if you're stepping out of your boat. In other words, if you're stepping out of your comfort zone. In other words, if you're making a decision that will put you in a situation where you are not sure, you're trying to walk on water, you're trying to go for that idea, you're trying to go for that new thing. It's very important for us to ask the question, Lord, is it you God, are you in this? Are you in this situation? Is this part of your plan? See, there's there's a condition in in his movement. Peter is putting a condition to the next thing that he wants to do. He's saying, Lord, if it's you. In other words, I will not move unless it's you. I will not turn to the right or to the left unless it's you. If it's you. And this is a powerful, powerful principle for us. See, maybe this is a new thing to you. Maybe this whole God thing is new to you and you hear something like this. It's a bit foreign, even odd to, to say this. There's a very well-known proverb that I love. It's Proverbs chapter uh, 3, verses 5 and 6. And it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Recognize God in every single step of the way. You know, just look at your situation and try to see God in it. And He will make straight your paths. Put God first and trust in Him. One of the great lessons that you can learn, if, if, if you're new to this walk with God, if this is new to you, one of the great lessons that you can learn is to gain this, this value for God's presence in your life. Is to gain this value for Jesus's, Jesus walking into your situation and you saying, Jesus, I want you in this situation in my life. I want you to be part of this. If you are not a part of this, I don't want it in my life. I want this to be part of your plan. I want to acknowledge you in every single way of my life, in every decision that I make. You know, there's something about this. There's something about flowing in the will of God that just brings such a satisfaction in your heart. And when you're in it, when you have that conviction and that desire... It really doesn't matter if you're, if you're facing waves or if you're facing winds. It doesn't matter because if God has called you where you are, and if you are in the center of His will, there is a satisfaction in your heart that's incomparable to anything else. You just know that you're supposed to be there and there's contentment. It doesn't mean that everything is perfect. It doesn't mean that your life is yet how it should be. But it means that you are where you're supposed to be. And that question should always be in our minds. God, are you in this? Are you in this next step? Are you in this situation? If it's you, it has to be you. Because I will only follow you. And the second thing I want to share with you, which is my last point, is this. When you do know that it's God, when you do have that conviction that it's God, when He does answer, it is I. Then you ask for His direction. And you ignore any distraction. Ask for direction and ignore the distraction. In other words, listen for what he's telling you and do it because you will have distractions. This is what Peter said. Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. You know, sometimes... We want everything to be perfectly lined up. We want things to be tidy. We want the sea to be just a blanket, really calm. We want Jesus' makeup to be pretty and his hair to be curled. We want him to have the right paste on his beard. We want everything to be beautiful before we dare to step on the water. So instead of asking, God, if it's you, command me to come to you, we say, God, if it's you, can you calm the winds and stop the water and change this and change that and do this and do that and the other? See, what I find interesting in this passage is that Peter completely ignores the state of the sea. He doesn't mind that the waters are moving. He simply is focused on Jesus and he says, Jesus, is this you? If it's you, I want to come to you. If it's you, I am stepping out of this boat. It doesn't matter what's around me. It doesn't matter what surrounds me. I don't even care about the safety that I'm in right now because it is safer with you out there than in my comfort zone in here. If it's you, in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the difficulty, he went out and he has commanded me to come. Commandment to come. See, what he was saying is that the greatest guarantee that you can have in your life is is, is to be in that place where God has commended you and called you to his life. And this is a, a great thing for us to know. You know, perfect timing is not when everything is lined up and perfect. Perfect timing is when God says, come. That's the perfect timing for your life. When should you do something? When should you step out? Of the boat, when God says, Come. When you say, God, ask me to come and I'll come. And He says, Come. You got to be able to recognize that in our heart, in your heart. You know, when we were to move here to Stanford, there was a lot of people concerned with us. My dad was the first one. I told him, Dad was thinking of leaving Houston and quitting Lakewood and going to Stanford. What's in Stanford? We don't know anybody there. How's the church environment there? Bad. How is Houston? Great. How's Lakewood doing? We're the largest congregation in America. We have 42,000 members in one building. And you're going to leave that and go to the Northeast? Yeah. Very tenderly, my dad was like, You know, JD, because he lives in Brazil, right? So he's like, Here, it's the same thing. You know, the southern states are really hard. For you to make things happen. And then when dad started the church, you know, dad had the company and we, we had a, a, an ability to, to provide for our family and all that. And it was hard. You remember, it was hard. So, are you sure? Are you sure that you're going to go to a small town to do this? My father in law was the same way, concerned for us. And he's like, you're, he is a little bit more vocal. He's like, you're crazy. <laughs> What are you going to do over there in the cold? You were getting concerned, people, from left and right. Just, you know, it was the waves. It was the waves. We went to a church planting conference. And there's this guy who started a church in Florida. And he begins by saying, well, my wife and I, we weren't very smart. We've simply picked up our stuff and moved. And we didn't know anybody in the town that we're going to. And we started up, you know what, if you're here this morning, don't do that. Remember that, honey? Just don't do that. And we're like, well, what if Jesus said, come? What if Jesus said, come? See, when when, when Peter walked out in the water, he walked because he heard Jesus say, come. Well, here's an, an my, last, uh, uh, my last encouragement for you today. Even when you step out in the water, and some of you are there right now, you already took the step. You already made the decision. You already started the business. You already began the relationship. You already moved careers. You already quit your job. You're already there, and you're trying to make headway, and, you, and you, it's tough, and you stepped on the water, and you're there, and you're like, Jesus, Jesus, you said come. You said come. But then all of a sudden, you noticed Winds. It says that Peter saw the wind. Can anybody see the wind? But that term there, that word there means that he turned his eyes to the wind. He heard Jesus say, come. But he focused on something else. And that's when he began to sink. I don't know where you are here this morning. I don't know if you're sinking and you came here because you need Jesus' help. I don't know if you're in your situation and and you begin to walk on water in the beginning it was okay but now you feel like the waters are coming up. There's a way out. To remember why he called you. To remember that he said, come. To take your eyes off the wind and look at Jesus again. To fix your eyes on him. Because he will take your hand, and he will cause you to walk on water again. You usually talk about this message. to talk about how Peter was a failure and how he sunk. But actually, the moment that he sunk was the smallest moment in that process. He walked all the way to Jesus, then he got afraid, began to sink. But the moment he said, Lord, help me, he got up again, and they both walked back into the boat. My encouragement to you this morning is very simple in any of every situation fix your eyes on jesus there's this old hymn that i love very much and from time to time i'll just sing by myself because there's a lot of distractions you might be facing winds that are trying to take your eye off your focus and off your off your purpose it says turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strange. See, when you look at Jesus, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that the winds will stop. It doesn't mean that the waves will stop hitting. It just means that your worry will subside. It means that whatever you're facing will not seem as big anymore. It means that you will see His majesty. You'll see His great. And you will be able to stand back up again. In the light of his glory and grace. Can we all sing together? And then let's see. Father, you see every heart, you see every mind, you see every soul, you see every situation and every circumstance. And I pray, Jesus, that you may walk into every situation here this morning, Father, and people may recognize that it's you. That they may have the eye and the mind to recognize your voice, to recognize your opportunities, to recognize what you have brought into their lives or what you're bringing in their lives, Father. And as we open our eyes and we look at you and we have this desire and conviction to come to you, that our eyes may be fixed on you, Father. Help us keep our eyes on you. God, I pray for every heart and every soul here, Jesus, that their eyes may be fixed on you, not on the circumstance, not on the trouble, not on the sadness, not on the turmoil, Father, but on you because you are greater. Your love is greater. Your peace is greater. Your glory and grace can rescue us from any situation, Father. So we commit our hearts to you this morning. And we give you our all. In the name of Jesus. Do you receive it this morning?